Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. to know encore my name is craig Fitzpatrick. it's episode 347 it's the 10th of november the year's almost over to um quote the great hamilton lighthouser let's get in with the niche references right from the off uh dave would love that sadly dave is not here he's left me for another podcast toast um yeah no popcorns dave higgins is swanning around berlin with dave at the moment um i think they're, they're going to a converge gig probably end up going to like a Hertha berlin match you know just do the hipster thing they'll probably do a podcast with brian eno in hansa studios um so that's where he is he'll be back next week but he's he's gone off to um to dream it all up again, to quote Bono. <laughs> first Bono mention of the podcast, but it won't be the last. Zara Hederman first mentioned, my co-host with the Mo-host this week. Welcome back. Hello, how are you? Good to see you. Yes. It's, it's been a while. It has been, while. been a while. Uh, it's been a very long time. Haven't been here since... Um, summertime? When the living no, was easy? Was it pre? Was it spring? The last time I was here, and I remember it so vividly because it haunts me to this day, was... Um, <laughs> March, As most, most episodes do. March yeah. 31st. Does March oh God, have 31 days? Long ago. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. it does. does yeah. It does. Yeah. Easter um, time. Around when, about then. Movable feast, of course. Easter. Yeah, when I tried to play a, a little April Fools on Dave and it didn't land so well. <laughs> well, it's not April. Now, no. it's as we have established yeah. the 10th of November. Yeah. I've literally come in from the cold and I'm yeah. back. Well, it's great to have you back. Um, back. We've got a jam-packed show, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a problem for us because we've got a gig to go to. So we're going to be um, committed to this, <laughs> yeah. but efficient. Um, it's kind of the filling in our Dylan Malkma sandwich, as we mentioned in the running <laughs> order. This is my second time seeing you in a week, which is... I know, such un- a treat. Like, unbelievable, right? Never I don't happens. think that's ever happened. Stuff. Yeah. 
we're at Bob Dylan on Monday. We're going to pavement tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Extreme boomer vibe. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, we should talk about Bob Dylan mm. extensively in this preamble just to make sure Dave turns off the podcast straight away so we can have some fun. But um, it was great, wasn't it? It was, it was so really good. good. It was so good. And he'll good. be rolling his eyes right now being like, of course you're saying that. Yeah, But look, um, we're not doing another top five Bob Dylan so we're not. We can we can reveal that we kinda, we're doing top five girl group songs, best and worst. You're on worst, yeah, which is great. Yeah. Um, you've had a kind of <laughs> torrid time of it, right? Yeah, it was pretty stressful. I've never it seems done stressful in the chat. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I've never done a worst selection for the podcast, which. I don't know. I had always been kind of nervous about it because I always enjoy when you guys do worsts because yeah, they're so fun funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know if my humour is anywhere near the level of yours and Adam's maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely funny. Adam than here Dave. this week, of course. Yeah. Sonic architect Adam Shanahan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was nervous because... I just felt the pressure of how much I enjoy when you guys do worst. Yeah. It's always very. You don't have funny. to write the songs, so it's just you know enough humor to understand a hilariously yeah. bad song. Well, I grand. feel that like some of my selections are so bad and so badly executed that I actually could have written maybe one or two of them, and definitely <laughs> could have recorded one in particular, maybe even a little bit better. There was a whole roller coaster of emotions mm. in the chat where you're like, at one point you're like, I think I've fallen in love with one of the worst songs. I, I deeply adore it, which yeah. I, it tends to happen, you know, yeah. it's kind of Stockholm syndrome, I guess. Yeah, But gone. then this morning there was quick changes and I think it's going to make for a great top five. I'm very hyped for that. I can confirm I received oh, yeah, Adam a knows. total of four emails from the last two days. I love that commitment. Um, that's <laughs> tremendous. We'll also be reviewing the Phoenix album. Mm. Don't know how much effort Sarah's put into that because we did chat on Monday, um, post Bob. Uh, are we doing spoilers for that album review? We're not. But I mean, I've already talked about it on the radio. Have on so. Ortiz Arena. Um, with Dave. With Dave, which I didn't listen to because I didn't want it spoiled, yeah. but I'll go back and check it out. And uh, I've got the gist of where you're going <laughs> with that one, but we'll get to it. Yes. There's a lot to get to, first of all. Bob mm. Dylan. Um, yeah. So, in the interest of fairness, I think we should give a different perspective, right? Rather than us just saying how great Bob E.D. is. Mm-hmm. I saw um, Dave Fanning on Twitter. Have you seen this tweet? Great. <laughs> oh, your eyes rolling. Oh, my God. This annoyed me so We adore much. Dave Fanning around these parts. Um, but he took to Twitter post-show and tweeted the following. That was around the 20th time I've seen Bob. Never good. <laughs> But he's Bob, so that's good enough. <laughs> Which is like a clever tweet on the surface, but also deeply wrong. He was wonderful. So wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dave Fanning. Yeah, that made me really annoyed when I saw that. Because I was just like, one, you're just humble bragging about how many times you've seen him. Yeah. Two. The big chore of getting added to, I guess, the guest list. Yeah, exactly. Know. And then it's like, okay, well, you've seen him 20 times. He is of a generation as well where he probably grew up with a lot more Bob Dylan than we would have, say. Like, he would have been around for, like, new releases more so than we would have. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and also, if you've seen him 20 times, obviously not all of them are going to be great. Like, he's going to have had some misses. So I and just, yeah, it's, you know, it's widely known that Bob can be hit, hit and miss, miss and yeah. like, you know, he lets the mood take him. Yeah, so I was just like, why would you even bother saying never good? Because <laughs> never also good. like... I'm so terse. It's so great. sorry. All right, Dave Fanning, you write Murder Mouse Fell then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, as you said, Craig, have to echo, we love Dave Fanning for what he does. So 
But yeah, and I love tweet. a bit of fanning snark. It's always really good. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I think he was wrong. Bob was kind of in fine voice. By mm. all accounts, like we were talking to people that had gone many, many times. Mm. And they're like, well, this is one of the best ones. Yeah. Um, I think it helps that he's off the back of a great album, like mm. an album I really love. I know you do too. Yeah. There was a lot of it. <laughs> it yeah. was like nearly Nine every track. There was no Murder Most Fell. No, I, I wouldn't be enough for that. I would have loved that. Yeah, there was no encore because Bob gets the show, of course. Um, well, there was kind of an encore where he came back out and just like put his hand on his hip and just like gave a bit of sass and it was great. Can we he also... seemed to be in his element, yeah. Oh, he loved it. Can we also talk about his drip? Oh, his yeah, outfit was... So good. Yeah. Like yeah. the whole band are just in like really plain, nicely tailored black suits. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure you appreciated. Of course. Um, but then Bob like obviously had to <laughs> Bob had to mix it up with like a lovely bit of embroidery on his um jacket, which was very cool. Yeah. Um again, like you have people who complain about like how he can't sing, which ugh, just like this man has been around for 60 years. So literally 60 years ago, I think it was in March, his first album came out. So also it just felt like quite a big, not to get like all um, starstruck and like rosy tinted glasses about it. But like it's such a monumental year as, as well to see Bob Dylan with that respective like 60 years ago this year, yeah. his debut came out. This was the 103rd show he did of this leg. Um, he's 82 years old, right? 81, 81 yeah. years old. Okay. And he had and so much energy, I felt as well. Like even though like he wasn't like necessarily doing like a big dance routine or no, anything. He's like seated at the piano, but he's getting up as well. He's clearly yeah. engaged. He was like, he wasn't chatting to the audience, but he was making a conscious effort like every couple of songs just to kind of stay step out mm. and the first time he did it I was like is he about to fall backwards like I got very nervous I'm very nervous he wasn't yeah there was a moment where I was like no don't, don't let this happen at my only Bob Dylan show uh, and it didn't but yeah there was definitely a part of like seeing Dylan to mm. make sure you see him not to get too you know yeah what was your highlight song from the set oh god I don't know I love when I paint my masterpiece so I was so like good. that was brilliant um, Key West was great even though he completely I got dylan mm. like I went into it being like I know the score with Dylan like I'm not going to recognise anything I'm going mm. for that experience right I'm like uh, I know what's what but this, the back of my head was like well that's what he'll do with the classics he'll give me a faithful rendition of my favourite song on the new album and then he didn't he did mm. Key West in a completely like different melody yeah. um, way different version but it ripped it was great the band were great yeah. um, how about you? Um, Key West and the couplet of Key West and Gotta Serve Somebody I thought was oh, Gotta Serve so Somebody was incredible yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. very good and I lo- liked as well like how the band while you were saying like they did kind of deviate from the Rough and Ready Ways sound yeah I did really like how songs like I'll Be Your Baby Tonight really worked well with um I've made up my mind to give myself to yeah, you. Yeah. Like there's about like, what, 40, 50 years between those two songs, but they felt like very nice bedfellows in a way. Yeah. Everything worked really well. And I just thought the 17 long set list just had such a nice uniformity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was those two songs that really stood out. And obviously like Every Grain of Sand with Bob getting on the harmonica for the end was great. Oh, he saved the harmonica so right good. till the end. And it was just like the fanfare. It was so, so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. But enough Bob Josh as we've other <laughs> gigs to attend to. Yeah. And the rest of the show, which I'm very excited about. We're jam-packed with content. It's all for you, listener. So if you want to support the show... 
it is patreon.com forward slash no encore if you want to trust the price of a pint or whatever you can manage and if you can't manage uh, anything at the moment because a lot of people can't obviously just you listening is good enough for us um, but some people do go above and beyond um, Adam told me just before we started recording that a listener has been in touch with some audio of their own I have no idea what this is but I'm hyped Adam yeah, I'm going to play it for you right now. Let's do it. Hey, guys. Uh, long-time listener to the show. Big fan. Uh, Cliff Booth is my name. I was um, just hoping to ask a question this week, if that's okay. Um, I know Dave is away. Uh, I hope he's having a really good time. But um, I'm glad that Zara's back on the show. Um, I always enjoy when she's on. When she's on, It's usually a very lively episode. Um, I just wanted to ask. Um, I figure you guys are probably going to review the Bob Dylan gig this week. So I didn't get along myself, sadly. Um, very, 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 very sad to miss out there. I have to say, um, yeah, it just, I, I just saw Zara put up a tweet this week, and it said, uh, "Let me just find it here." It says, um, "Bob Dylan is the actual greatest. No one like him. Anyone who says otherwise has never listened to music." Um, I mean, like, I know Zara is a big Bob Dylan fan, but I was just curious. I mean, like, that—that's a very grand statement to make. I was just wondering if she could possibly back it up and maybe justify it. I, I'd love to hear the the argument for that one because you know it is quite a sweeping statement. Um, anyway, love the show. Hope the Bono box is back in action this week. And um, yeah, keep up the good work, gang. Well, thanks for that, Cliff. I mean, uh, you do, you do ramble on a little bit, but we appreciate you getting in touch and listening to the show. Zara, do you want to yeah. respond to? This um, listener, and I believe patron of the show, <laughs> of his own show. No, that was Cliff. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, Cliff. Cliff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, hi, Cliff. Um, thank you so much for your kind words there. Um, it, it's always a pleasure to be on No Encore. It's always a very lively evening in my week um, when I'm on. So I'm glad that it's reciprocated with the listener. Basically, Cliff, um, yeah, I stand by it, even though I had four pints of me and no dinner. Um <laughs> I do feel that Bob Dylan is the actual greatest that can't be disputed um, and yeah um, I would advise maybe if you're personally not a fan of him to go back to the top five we did of Bob Dylan <laughs> um, and you'll hear some of, more of my musings on why he is the best so thanks Cliff hope you're doing well um, and an early happy Christmas to you my friend lovely I'm sure Cliff has listened to all of that episode Cliff I would wouldn't have just if he's a patron. turned off yeah yeah turned yeah. off that top five um, thanks a lot Cliff um, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the news section and there's a lot of news and some of it is quite grim so we're really gonna totally switch it up right now so brace yourself with this sweet sweet audio start spreading the news a little frank there just to kind of um dim the lights i suppose sonically slightly uh yeah let's start i guess with i mean it's something that this show has to do quite a bit sadly mm. but it's essentially debt notices a yeah. music podcast um up top, I mean, I think the news broke on Sunday. It was a pretty grim day um, that Mimi Parker of Lowe uh, passed away. Uh, she was kind of one half of Lowe alongside her husband and bandmate, Alan uh, Sparhawk. She'd been battling ovarian cancer for the last couple of years. She was only 55 years old. Um, gigs recently had been cancelled. I mean, the, the band Gamely were just still touring. Bloody missed them at uh, Primavera because of, yeah, just capacity issues and stuff in the summer, um, which I obviously now deeply regret. But yeah, just even those kind of things of just being like, oh, I didn't get to see them live. Um, Pale in comparison to just the the human loss here. Um, A woman with kind of a young family 
a huge talent, the outpouring of um, just well wishes to the family, but also respect for her artistry and indeed her kind of quiet genius was just incredible. Some of the biggest names in music, um, kind of in awe of her, mm. which made a lot of sense. I mean, a band that's been going for two decades plus, her contributions were absolutely huge. Her chemistry with her partner were just mesmeric along with that voice. Um Zara, I know mm. you're like, low. this was a, a big blow, wasn't it? Yeah, massively. Um, so I had actually seen them for the second time in Vicar Street when they came here. I think it was like late April, perhaps. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant performance. Um, didn't know, I don't think, if the news had broken at that point that she was suffering with ovarian can- cancer. Um, and I had been keeping up with... Alan Sparhawk's like updates on Twitter. He's very engaged on Twitter. He's, I think, one of the kind of rare people on Twitter who is in a band of that stature who actually runs it himself. And it's also just really great for um, getting in touch and replying to fans. Um, So this was really, really sad um, because obviously Mimi is such, um, I think, a figure of immense talent um, and integrity as well. I saw a lovely quote um, that she said that music was just a solace and a place of escape. And I think that that is so evident when you hear you know, any of their albums really, um, particularly, I suppose, in Hey What, which came out last year, Double Negative. um, And I hadn't listened to any of the low albums since hearing the news until this afternoon. Um, And I actually just this afternoon stuck on Lies from Ones and Sixes, which I think is my favourite low song, and just burst out crying. Um, Just found it very emotional, very poignant I guess now that she's gone and then you hear like songs like um don't walk away I can't wait like anything really um as you said the chemistry between the two of them was just so special and their chemistry on stage was always great like Alan Sparkhawk is a very fun and very funny person a very human person and that was very evident in their relationship on stage and I even thought his announcement just was even, again, to go back to the kind of the humanity of this band and they really just felt like they could be your mates. There was no yeah. kind of airs and graces about him, about them. So he said, friends, it's hard to put into the universe or it's hard to put the universe into language and into a short message. But she passed away last night surrounded by family and love, including yours. Keep her name close and sacred. Share this moment with someone who needs you. Love is indeed the most important thing. And I just thought, even the fact that he, didn't he couldn't even write her name like mm. the finality of that just heartbreaking and really a lot of thoughts and and uh, love to Alan and their two children and the extended Low family so it's yeah, very sad I can't imagine uh, what to go through like I've yeah, made a couple of attempts um, since the news broke to like stick on Low stuff and like I'd put on Lullaby and just be like halfway through I'm like I can't this is n- you too know hard. too much at the moment yeah. it's like when David Berman passed it'll, it'll take maybe a couple of weeks yeah. Um, but yeah the tributes to her were absolutely amazing and really kind of getting at your um, you know the lack of pretension and how down to earth they are kind of as an act and she in particular was Jeff Tweedy just saying I think most people would look at Mimi and not estimate that she was a serious artist I don't think she put on any kind of pretension there was nothing about her that read as anything other than normal Midwesterner I've never seen anybody be that casually brilliant she was a giant when I close my mind's eye and imagine her voice rings the clearest to me of any voice I've heard in my life and he goes on and the likes of Steve Albini Robert Plant BJ Burton Justin Vernon 
Cernan, Jeff Barrow, just huge outpouring, all that kind of sentiment. And um, I don't think it overplays it, just an immense talent mm. and clearly an immense person and gone too soon. Mm. And we'll keep this rolling with um, rest in peace to Aaron Carter. Uh, another kind of, I guess, a shock one, but a man mm. that's been troubled for a long time, sadly. Um, 34 when he passed away. Um, he was found dead, I believe, in his bath the weekend as well. Uh, his older brother, Nick, took to Twitter, say his heart is broken, understandably. And yeah, he's had a tumultuous time. Mm. Uh, I think he just had a child last year as well. So that's, a, that's another tough one. Kind of passed me by culturally, just in terms of, I know he was a huge part of... Probably a lot of our ge- around about our generations, Absolutely, like childhood yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like he was probably a star from the age of about seven, having hit singles and stuff. Mm. And yeah, part of people's um, lives to a large extent, the last decade or so haven't been um, great to him. Just that kind of young stardom thing, a lot of issues and it sadly ended like this. Um did he have a kind of role to play in your in growing up? Was he like a figure that was there? Not mass, yeah. like not massively, but at the same time, like he's four years older than I am. So I do like remember being like maybe nine or ten, and when he had songs like "I Want Candy," and just to see yeah. someone who was like a similar kind of age to me, but on like MTV or like VH1, um, and to be as like massive and famous as he was, like that to me as a child was just incredible to see and obviously you'd be like God I'd love that that must be such an amazing life but then actually when I was reading about Aaron Carter after the news broke it's just like the 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 kind of Faustian thing that you have to kind of agree to when you do become a celebrity regardless of your age but especially when you're so young um, it can't it can't help you try and have any kind of normal life, which is incredibly sad. Obviously then to read about like the fractious relationship with his brother was very sad and to see Nick's kind of outpour of um, his heartbreak, which as I said, of course, very understandable. And at the end of the day, if you have a feud with your family, it's none of our business. But that love that you have from growing up together and coming up in that kind of industry, very, very upsetting. And again, yeah, his son is only, I think, one years old. So to think of that little boy now growing up without his dad and maybe just being left with a lot of really horrible news stories written about him is not not great. So yeah, a lot of, again, a lot of love to the, the Carter family and hope everyone is okay there. Yeah, for sure. There was also the news last night and we'll, we'll get off this in a minute, but um, Boomtown Rats guitarist Gary Roberts passed away at 72 as well. Obviously a huge kind of, Cultural, um, I, I don't know, a, a big feature of early Irish rock and roll, the Boomtown Rats. Um, and yeah, that's a sad passing as well. I wouldn't know a huge amount of their stuff, but the band kind of put out a statement. Say he was really the guy that brought the sound together. Um, Bob Geldof and the rest of the lads uh, paying their respects. So yeah, sad stuff too. But listen, we need to move on. We need to get this show back on the road. The only way to do it is the Rock and Roll Hall of yeah. Fame, all right? Because some icons are still alive. Thank and God. they're going to where, Cleveland. Is this yeah. Where, yeah it takes uh, place. Just remind me, Craig, where does the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame rank in your awards again? Is it like It's fifth? a very good question. It's it. This changes. This list changes. Ivan Novello, number one. Ivan Novello is, yeah, undisputedly the number one. Yeah. Of course, that goes without saying. I, so. I believe the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Last time we talked about it, it might have been third. It was second or third. Yeah. yeah. 
What was the bulb? <laughs> so maybe it was just second. Was it the Mercury problem? Maybe you had the Mercury the bulb. Actually, I think what made it slip down slightly was the fact that it wasn't one of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fames. Like, um, someone on the board was like selling memorabilia or something from the thing. Oh There's gosh. been a lot of like controversy around the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. A distinguished, um, August. I would <laughs> sell memorabilia if I was involved. You would just sell people's memorabilia that didn't belong to you, Sarah, would you? It depends. But like, You'd what? nick it out of the <laughs> Depends on whose memorabilia it was. It was Don Henley's, if I recall correctly. Famously non-litigious non like... Don Henley. Yeah, it actually might have been like the original lyrics to Boys of Summer or something like that. Oh, I'd well sell that. <laughs> yeah, like that would get you what, about 15 grand? That's a nice... I'd like, say way more than 15 grand. The original lyrics to Boys of Summer. This hypothetical merchandise that I've just made up. For, I think pretty sure that was what it how was. How much would you pay for that? I'd pay $150,000. Well, then you've more Sarah. money than sense, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a check right now. Okay, so theft is fine in your book. How do you feel about sexism, Zara? Because <laughs> this is kind of the lead story. We'll get into um, some of the winners. Well, let's start with the losers. And the losers mm. was once again the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, Alanis Morissette hitting out at uh, the ceremony itself. She was due to perform Carly Simon's You're So Vain. Carly Simon was being uh, inducted. She pulled out last minute. Um, she'd done rehearsals, I think, on the Friday. Uh, she ended up not being there. So rumours were kind of swirling around. She took to Instagram to kind of clear things up um, about these kind of misinformed rumblings, uh, to quote her. And she basically said, listen, first of all, I have to say how much I adore Carly Simon and Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, she was performing. She hasn't been abduct <laughs> abducted quite yet. <laughs> abducted. <laughs> Maybe she's been abducted. A lot of pop stars have. Um, haven't they? It's not a thing. Um, I know Jessica Alba was when she was a teenager. Was she? Yeah. She was literally abducted. Yeah. But that's for now popcorn, I guess. God, Robbie Williams has seen aliens. Well, I believe. I think Ariana Grande has as well. UFOs, at least. All right. Okay, we're going way off yeah, tangent. Yeah, yeah. Dolly Parton, who's <laughs> also out of this world, she was inducted, um, and a few other people that Alanis Morissette has a lot of respect for. But she said basically she has spent decades in the industry uh, that's rife with an overarching anti-woman sentiment, and she's tolerated in the past. But listen, these days she's at a point in her life where there is no need to quote um, spend time in an environment that reduces women. I've had countless incredible experiences with production teams with all genders throughout my life. So many and so fun. There is nothing better than a team of diverse people coming together with one mission. I'll continue to show up in those environments with bells on. So she's not saying exactly what happened, but we can mm. kind of infer that the treatment for her at rehearsals wasn't great, whatever that was. Mm. And fair play to her for like speaking out against it. Um, obviously, it's not an easy thing to do, but I think when it's a big institution like the Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame, um, like these things need to be called out, especially in the year of our Lord, 2022. Um, when they say in this news piece as well that, you know, as of 2020, less than 8% of inductees are women. Yeah. Um, in 2021, the Rock Hall put out its most female-centric ballot, which included seven women on the list. Um, only three of them were inducted. It's just... It's ridiculous. It's not good enough. Um, this also just kind of reminded me uh, in a vague way of Roy Keane and Saipan where... <laughs> what? Oh, wait, what? Well, just like... Don't go there, Zara. Like, come on, this will be 15 so minutes. Yeah. Pavement. Um, just like, I just respected Lance Morissette, like speaking out against like 
how she felt against like such a big institution and kind of being like, even though she had done rehearsals for this, ultimately, um, this was just not right for her and fair play. Um, so she was right, just was as right. Roy Keane was right over Saipan. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> um, yeah. Adam, you gotta you want to wade into? <laughs> Some clarity. On oh, the oh yes, thank oh, you. Um, so it was one million dollars. Jeez, for. fifteen grand. It was Don Henley, you're right, and it was Hotel, Cal- Hotel California. Okay. Life in the fast lane, a new kid in town. Oh, okay, that makes sense. No. They also tried to sell the lyrics back to Don Henley. They just point. like called up Don. And was like, we got your lyrics, Don. According to this report on Loudwire, and he was just like. Go fuck yourself. Uh, he took him to court, yeah. yeah. Fair, fair play. play, fair play. I like that. Okay, let's get on to the winners, all right? Um, Eminem was oh, inducted and he did stand with, with Ed, Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. Give Dido a ring. I'm sure she would have gone over. Ed Sheeran. Did you see it? Do you know what? I actually went this afternoon when I was going over the news pieces again. I went onto YouTube and I clicked in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2022 and I just saw the thumbnail of Eminem and I was just like, the video was like six minutes long, it was the highlights. Yeah. And I remember maybe like two or three years ago doing No Encore with you, Craig, in the Zoom times. Um, <laughs> and it was about Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I more filmy watched like highlights from it because we were talking about it. Yeah. And they're just terrible. It's like, yeah. it's really By bad. Large, it's pretty crummy. Um, so for this occasion, I was like, do you know what? Actually, the highlights here written down are enough for yeah. me. Um, yeah, that's fair. I saw the clip of just Ed um, belting it out and in fairness, he kind of nailed it. I mean, he's kind of in the same, waiting in the same waters as Dido, right? So do you know he what I did mean? the Dido part? Yeah, yeah. He had his little acoustic out and he was singing away and it was fine. Had his little acoustic yeah. out. <laughs> he did a good job. So fair play to him. Fair play to Eminem. Also Lionel Richie, he's in. Yeah. <laughs> Surprised he wasn't already in. Yeah, kind of a bit amazing, right? Like, this is the I same. presume he's going to be all over the World Cup, by the way, right? Oh, 100%. He is huge in the Middle East. He's is like he? the biggest. He is, yeah. He is the biggest star in the Middle East by far. Wow. Yeah, we've talked about it on this pod before. We've talked about my aunt that worked for uh, the Jordanian royal family, their airline. And he used to be on their private jets all the time. What? And he'd like perform dancing on ceiling for like the royal family. I think I'm allowed to say that. No, yeah, he's a lovely guy. He lo- he no, well, he's a lovely it. guy and he yeah. would perform for wow. a free flight to whatever, Jeddah, I don't know. Uh, let's move on. Dolly Parton led the finale. Um, Interesting because didn't she say an issue when she She's got like, her no, nomination? Thanks. She was like, no, thanks. She's like, I'm not a rock and roller. But Isn't it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And people were just like, shh, Dolly, it's cool. No one, like, no one cares anymore. But like she went from not caring to then writing a song specifically for the event. Which I love. She wrote a song called Rockin'. Rockin'. <laughs> um, no G, of course, just to make it extra rock and roll, uh, which is just adorable. And I love that commitment. I love that she's just like, because at the time she kind of, there was this tide of um, you know Dolly you, you deserve more than anyone to be in there and I think the organisers were like we're not taking off the ball anyway Dolly so you know mm. get involved and she's like okay if it means that much to you <laughs> maybe I'll have to put out a rock album sometime so she didn't have time to put together a whole album but she's like if I if I like want to be able to sleep at night I have to record at least one rock song to Amazing. be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I didn't hear that one okay um, but yeah 
sad news as well with Duran Duran. They were also. Oh, I was going to bring that up. You weren't. No, because this oh, is more this is more of a downer. Yeah, Duran Duran are in, which is great news for yeah. music. Hungry like the wolf, incredible. Andy Taylor wasn't there, unfortunately. Mm. Um, Simon Le Bon read out a, a letter from him and he revealed that he's been diagnosed with stage four metastatic uh, prostate cancer. Um, so he's undergoing treatment and yeah thoughts with him yeah. really really sad, sad poignant yeah. note um, lovely statement from him as well but yeah Duran Duran deserve to be in yeah come on um, okay someone who should be in the Rock and yeah, Roll Hall yeah listen you've brought us all back down alright so uh, <laughs> <laughs> hold on he's got to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right um, oh yeah they're definitely in I don't know if they are. Oh, they must. They were in first time they were eligible, surely. If Foo Fighters are in, you too have to be in. (laughs) Okay, he mightn't be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'm pretty sure he is, but we do know that he's in his own very Bono Box. He's a communist. If you think about that, that's kind of mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's our <laughs> latest <sighs> addition to the jingles. <laughs> Still sounding good, Zara, what do you think? Love it. I'm so glad I didn't have to contribute any vocals to that. Oh, well. Awesome. Um, um, so we've actually got an, a story here written by Dave. <laughs> he actually put this up during the week. <laughs> and it's Bono has been... I was shocked by this, to be honest. I was Particularly, were you not? No. I mean, we love him on this show, but I didn't know the wider Irish public had that level of affection. He gets an L slagging at times. Um, the story leads with, quite rightly, I think, Bono and Ryan Tuberty, two of the most <laughs> low-key and unassuming <laughs> Irish people to ever exist, writes Dave, are apparently among the most admired in the entire country. Good for them! Exclamation mark. Yeah, there's this new study from some marketing and sponsorship firm. Um, everyone loves Katie Taylor, of course. Tuberty won his category and yeah Bono Bono beat off the likes of Dermot Kennedy and Christy Moore and Christy <laughs> Dignam yeah Christy Dignam high riser this year he's up 11 spots mm. for some reason um, I mean quite rightly he's now joint fifth alongside Hosier but I was, I was surprised I mean Bono does like come in for some stick there's the whole tax stuff there's the you know he gets a little too big for his, his boots his Sexy, sexy boots. boots. Yeah. Um, I feel that though there is maybe I'm alone in this and alone in this kind of thought process, but I feel like there is a Bono Renaissance going on. One hundred percent. And I feel like the Bonaissance. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, Craig. The Bonaissance. Um, I don't know. I've just really enjoyed um the last couple of weeks, especially like listening to the podcast with the news stories about Bono. Um, just some very f- like unintentionally funny stuff coming out. Obviously, the whole like IRA threats and yeah. Jerry Adams' response to that, which I won't finish my sentence to because uh, legal issues or whatever. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like Bono, I find just so fascinating. And I of course had a period where I was like Bono is an absolute moron like but I don't know the more I hear about this Bono the more I like him um my mom as well so I actually uh went to Mount Temple which is the school that you two famously went to and formed in and um 
My mom, for some reason, has been on a real like Bono campaign trail with me, um, as in sharing like enjoyment of Bono, just constantly referencing Mount Temple a lot at the moment right. in his press. Um, so he returned to Mount Temple recently. He went to the library and he, I think, had like a private audience with like six years. Yeah. Um, and she, my mom would just text me every now and again and be like, there's a special Bono interview on such and such radio station at the moment you should tune in or on Joe Duffy there talking about Bono and he's thanking the teachers of Mount Temple and I'm a class. And then she's just like, don't worry, I've bought you Bono's book for Christmas. And I'm like, unbelievable, like very excited about that. Um, a book that I'm extremely excited yeah. to read. Surrender, it's like four, yeah. 40 songs. I will be surrendering to that book, 40 songs. Yeah, number one in the country, I believe. It's everywhere. I'm going to absolutely dive headfirst into the audiobook. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'll be great. It's oh, the second best thing to seeing him live in person at the Olympia Theatre, which we've been angling for tickets and, and guest lists and it's, we're still campaigning. <laughs> Get us to Bono. We want an audience with Bono. Have, have you seen U2 before, Craig? I've never seen U2. Oh, no, no never. It's ridiculous, but yeah. Yeah, we got to make it another Boncore episode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no Boncore. Oh, no, we have to do it. Oh, my God. Come on. We Come did, on, help us. We help did us, people. We <laughs> with the idea of doing top five U2 songs. We did, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That would have been great. Yeah, it would have been a good one. That's what I mean. Yeah. Shit. Oh, well, listen, maybe it's it's yet to come. Um, but listen, we do have some Bono content because uh, he's been everywhere. He, yeah. he was doing that CNN thing where he brought a reporter to Mount Temple. He was on he was on like a prefab thing singing to like the fucking... Yeah, you could see my old yard. locker room in there. Oh, no way. I got he went, very excited. He went to his old gaff and like the people there were like, oh, people are always just like, oh, you live in Bono's gaff. It was very funny. There was people out in the street being like, hi, Bono. I was like, these are paid actors. Not That's to get too conspiracy so theory heavy. But um, no, it was great. He was adorable. He was adorable on Colbert. He's very self-effacing these days. Maybe he was, it was ever thus with Bono, but yeah. um, he did like a half an hour special sit down thing with Stephen Colbert. And I, I watched the whole thing and he came across really well. And we've got a little clip of him slagging himself off from his, and his hairstyle from back in the day. Los Angeles Times says the mullet is the haircut that refuses to die. Have you, have you thought about growing it back? No, no, I... I, I... I, it upsets me. Um, it upsets you that you ever had one, like yeah. seeing you with a mullet? I've, 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 look, we're all dealing with shit, you know? And... Uh, mm -hmm. Dark chapters from our past. Can you imagine Live Aid, one of the most incredible moments of, of anyone's life, you know, as a concert? And by famine, sure. organized by... Organised by my mate Bob Geldof and, you know, Queen and, mm -hmm. and just incredible artists, you know, mm -hmm. in Philadelphia and London and broadcast all over the world. And I see that back now, I just go, oh. Yeah, so we've talked about it on the show before where there's been a few interviews where we've worried about him slightly. He's very hard on himself these days. It's all right, Bono. We'll, we'll cheer him up in person when I we get an that, audience yeah. with Bono. Um, um, I lo love that he has, like, I think it's come with age. I don't think he was always as self-effacing. Yeah. Like, I feel that now, like, that he's 60. I think his birthday is May 10th. I okay. always remember that in my Irish book. We used to learn about Bono. Um, <laughs> and for some reason, May 10th was just, like, his birthday. And I always stuck with me. Um, I think... Hold on, making him a Gemini? Does it? I think it does, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> We're going in, guys. <laughs> As Adam pivots in his chair. Uh, well, to that would make grunge. sense, the duality of Bono. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a book you have to write. <laughs> 
Um, we will need Bono to contribute to that as well. Yeah, um, you can do so the forward. audience with Bono. Um, but yeah, no, I have a lot more time for Bono than I did maybe like five years ago. And oh. I think, yeah. Sorry, more. we're just getting confirmations out of that he's a Taurus. Oh, bullish. Bullish. Yeah. That Still makes works. more sense. Uh, May 20, May, uh, sorry, no, what day is Bono's birthday? May 10th. I'm just checking, I'm just going to check that. Hang on, Bono's okay. birthday. This is riveting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, May 10th, 1960, yeah? Yeah, 1960. So he's 62. You were 62 years old. And still... No, I will say he needs to stop dyeing his hair. And do you know what he also needs to do? He needs Cut to change it. his glasses. I think... Is he still this, wearing the blue tint? He's wearing the... Blue tint is fine, right? But they're just circular f- frames. He's doing the John, John Lennon, Lennon thing. And I just think it ages him. Like, they don't... They would, like he's. It's the glasses that's aging him, yes, Craig. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, he's stuck with them for a long time. I've been saying this for years. We need... Bono, we need to talk to you, all right? You're a good-looking man. We'll, we'll sort you out. <laughs> all right. Let's not critique his looks. The man is great. The man is the star. Everyone is beautiful. And that's a lesson that Paul Weller could learn as we close out the news yeah. section. This is weird to me. I don't know what yeah. the hell he's gone on about here. He's launched a scathing personal attack on the Cure's Robert Smith. Um, I'm going to quote him here, and it's horrible expression horrible. to use for anyone. He called him a fucking fat C word. Um, this is so weird. Mean. He was, yeah, like he was talking to Record Collector magazine, and at one point in the conversation, the interviewer noted that one of the tracks on Noel Gallagher's new album is like bears a resemblance to. A forest from the Cure, which is incredible, mm. and I would be, I'd be shocked if Noel Gallagher came up with anything close to that. But Weller then responded to this observation with a mixture of quote incredulity and revulsion. Really, he said, "I can't fucking stand him," and he called him, you know, that slur. And then he said, "With his lipstick and all that bollocks, he's my age as well, isn't he? He's a fucking knobhead. I don't like him." There you go. There's someone I would work with. I'd effing slap him or something just very awful yeah and what's with the lips what's wrong with a bit of lipstick on a bloke yeah and he's got the right shade like I think Robert Smith is probably like rocking that Lady Danger Mac iconic red shade listen he's Um, style icon I found this so weird and I was also like what year is this if this was maybe like 1996 and from a Q magazine like interview or something it would make a bit more sex sense contextually um, Paul Weller as well like he's so oil painting he also Robert Smith has made so much more better music than Paul yeah, Weller I mean I love a lot of Paul Weller stuff but he seems like an old crotchety old man I in this really one. can't I don't stand him I'm on Robert Smith's side listen I'm, you know the way uh, uh, with the suits and stuff I'm probably sartorially more of a mod maybe but in my heart, I am a goth. So Robert Smith all the fucking <laughs> way. And screw you, Paul Weller. That's a horrible thing to say. Let's close this out, right? There was a bit of a pavement story, but listen, that's for later. Let's concentrate yeah. on the show. Yeah. Let's concentrate on an album. Let's get continental. Um, our attention turns to Phoenix, France's finest. And um, let's find out if they've made the finest French album of all all time <laughs> um, yes. here's a clip from the album
was identical, taken from Alpha Zulu, the new album from Phoenix. I believe their seventh album. Um, adored the last one, Tiamo. Mm. Felt like a bit of a return to form for me. Uh, it was them exploring Italian culture, which was really interesting to me. From like, they're this like quintessentially French band. You never think of them then being like, besotted with a a near neighbor, but of course they they might be. Anyway, I thought that was great. It's been a while since that record. Um, I was very hyped for this. I saw them in the summer. They're an incredible live act. Check them out if mm. you get the chance. They're tremendous. And yeah, that song right there, that's been out two years now. I think it featured on On The Rocks, um, Sofia Coppola film. Um, Tamar Mars from Phoenix is, is married to her. And Bill Murray starred in it. It was one of my tracks of that year. I still adore it. I think it might be the best thing they've ever done. It's the closer here. And when I saw it was going to feature on this album, I'm like, it's it deserves to feature on an album. But I'm also like, how much material do they have? Sorry, and Craig, the best thing they've ever done. Yeah, I think this might be their best song. I think for its emotional heft, I think for how they switch things up. I know they have a lot of bangers, Zara. We'll get to the bangers. But I think this is tremendous. Um, it's a tribute to the late uh, Philippe Zadar from Cassius. And I think his presence kind of looms large on this one. So he used to be like their go-to sounding board. Uh, he's sadly passed. Um, and they've talked about how this was kind of like throughout the record, a bit of a tribute to him and them trying to second guess how he would respond to the album. And I, I don't know. I feel like his presence is slightly missed elsewhere. Um so Zara, yep. you've already reviewed this. You mm-hmm. had a lot of time with it last Friday where you had to like cram in some listens <laughs> and stuff. You've gamely continued to listen. I yep. got a sense on Monday that <laughs> it, was a, it was a bit of a struggle for you. Now, we did chat Tiamo briefly on WhatsApp. and yeah. great you, you were, Yeah, really enjoying it. Love that Very album. suave, I think was your word, which is... Yeah. Suave, sophisticated. Yeah. Voice. So that record was them kind of on Vespas around like Rome. That's why you went to Rome. 100%. Yeah. It was like the perfect soundtrack. I felt like I was... Tr- I'd never been to Rome, but I'm like, I've been here yeah. when I listened to Tiamo. <laughs> <laughs> but with this one, they've gone to the Louvre. Yeah. Um, I think they've got a, like some studio space in the decorative arts wing. Yeah. And they're like, it's something we always wanted to do. They're from Versailles, famously as well. It's just, you know, up the road. And they said, you know, people might think the kind of, um, the kind of marble, sterile feel of um, uh, like a museum or a gallery might put undue pressure on you. But we really thrived in that environment. Did they thrive in that environment, Zara? No. No, they didn't at all. Um, I felt that this album kind of was very reflective of... So one of the members um, had prefaced that they were... They had like some reservations about recording in this um, makeshift studio in the the wing of the Louvre. Um, They said that, you know, I think it was Christian Mazzali. Yeah. Is that correct? Um, sure, let's go with it. I sounded very confident there tonight. Um, you know, he said that there were initial concerns of making something while being surrounded by too much beauty and the band just couldn't stop producing music um, and that they wrote pretty much all of the album within the first 10 days of recording. Personally, I felt that the sound of this album was very more so in tune with, you know, when there's like, a gallery is changing exhibitions and the walls are like blank and white and they're waiting for new pieces of art to go up. Right. 
this just to me sounded um, lacklustre. This that was kind of the word that kept cropping up to my mind whenever I was listening to this. Um, like even that song, identical. On my numerous, numerous Hold on. listens, you're not a fan of identical, sir. I think it's awful. What? I think there's one moment on this that stands out, and it's Winter Solstice. Winter Solstice is tremendous, it's yeah. Really and good. after midnight, I like. There's a little run there I like in season two. I actually like <laughs> quite a lot of this album. Reflection. I just found like because I was really excited for this album. I loved Te Amo. Bankrupt didn't really get me as much. And I don't really return to it as much as say like Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. Um, I do also love some of their earlier singles like Too Young and oh, Run Run so Run. Much. Love those songs so so much. Um. And love just like the kind of the point A to point Z, much like Alpha Zulu, um, of where the band had come from. Um, but yeah, with this, I just found, you know, the absence of Philippe's that are very evident. Sonically in particular, um, it just, everything bled into one for me. That's why, you know, Identical just didn't really stand out to me too much outside of, or like alongside the rest of the songs and then when they did like After Midnight and Artifact I felt like really weird um, impressions of the strokes which was very discombobulating. Yeah, they've they, like been kindred spirits I guess with the strokes for a long time. I think they have a slightly different, they come at it from a different angle but yeah, there was certain tracks on this where I was reminded of like album, tra- kind of unloved album tracks from the Strokes that I mm. I dig like as a fan, but I was very much like this isn't the A material. Yeah. I'll probably go back to it now and again, but just yeah, maybe like, around the like the come down machine era or something where you're just like this is kind of fine indie rock, but it's not. Yeah, the choruses aren't quite hitting. There's um, no choruses I felt really on this. There's so many moments, uh, even a song like Tonight, which uh, features Ezra Koenig, um, which has a bit of kind of life to it. And I did actually find myself going, their voices seemed quite similar. And I was like, what? what is the point of the duet on this? Because they're kind of singing over each other. Yeah. I was nearly like, just have a big statement and just have Ezra sing the whole thing or do something a bit different. Well, it definitely sounded, I think, that like Ezra had a lot of influence maybe on the arrangement. To me, it yeah. did seem very much like Vampire a kind Weekend-y. of Father of the Bride era of Vampire Weekend. But otherwise, I thought that sounded like a two-door cinema club song. Jesus, that's a bit. I kind of, I'm digging it. I mean, they had some songs, um, but that was that was one of the the ones where, and along with the only one where I was very much enjoying some of the little riffs and things, and I was liking um, the vocal melodies. And you'd get to what would normally be a Phoenix pre-chorus, and Phoenix are brilliant at. You know, they've got they've that history of hanging out with Daft Punk and Air and uh, again, Cassius and just kind of being quite in tune with House and doing rock very, very differently. So they're always about the build, I guess, and mm. this sense of momentum. And you've got the synths kind of like taking off like rockets. It's like an old trick they do. And it just ratchets up and until there's this incredible kind of dance payoff. And so many times on this record, there was just kind of no payoff. There's like no. a pre-chorus. It's like, oh, this is the part where like 1901, they would just land something that is just completely ecstatic and brilliant. And it would just reverse to the verse melody. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if that was just, 
yeah, just the writing process or something like that. And yeah, there was a lot of uh, bleed through, I found, because, you know, which you can always count on with Phoenix is most of their songs feel really kind of like indelible from the get-go and they set a scene really well and you're like in their universe. And with this one, I was like, I'm not sure what the narrative is. I don't know mm. if there's a concept. There's also a couple of like left field tracks like Alpha Zulu has a very like just an awful sounding synth to open the album and for me Alpha was just like I'm not getting on with this sound like I hate as well the only thing from that song that kind of saved it for me was the 808 yeah sure but then when Thomas Mars has that like is it a pre-chorus line where he sings woo ha sing hallelujah hallelujah it was just a bit like, oh, oh you're so God. much cooler than this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was another kind of aspect to the album that I was just very struck by because I don't think Thomas Myers is necessarily the world's greatest lyricist um, or like, I don't really find that he builds great stories in his songs. Like he definitely has a way of like, again, kind of like the French thing, just like a bit of escapism where you don't really... Yeah, care he, what he's he comes saying. up with. A, yeah, he, it's it's actually kind of like a Julian it. Casablancas thing where it's yeah. just like there will be lines where you're just like that's a pearl of a line. Like it's just the feeling of it's great, the imagery, but yeah, it's not telling maybe a wider story. Like Especially I, not singing his first language as well, which kind of yeah. adds something. I think mm. so there's sometimes an awkwardness to his words that actually he gets away with completely because again the suaveness. Mm. But here it was just an Alpha Zulu felt. It was maybe the first time they've sounded a bit clumsy to me. And yeah. then All Eyes On Me, they go back into that kind of bag and I'm just like, this isn't working for me yeah. at all. And it's so, it, it, that was so stark when the stuff around it felt a bit more Phoenix by numbers. I do like a lot of those kind of tracks. But, and as I say, the closer, um, I, I can't believe you hate it, but that's <laughs> fair enough. But I've been listening to that for two years now, so it's not even like, maybe if it was my first time hearing it, I was loving it. I'd, do you know what I mean? Mm. So disappointing I mean they've hit such heights before um, incredible life as I said but yeah for me this is probably a 6 I mean verging on a 7 and I say that as a fan but if you're yeah. you're not a fan I wouldn't this wouldn't be a starting point for me No, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix tremendous Tiamo yeah. tremendous first couple of records are great um, bankrupts underrated but yeah this, this is a bit of a stumble I think yeah like I found that last week when I had to listen to this for work I everything just kind of melded into one and even I've listened to this album now probably north of 20 times because it should be said it's 10 songs it's 35 minutes so it is actually quite an easy one to just sit down with Yeah, um, it actually feels I think a lot longer than 35 minutes just because of his pitfalls um, but I found that in my listening to it I actually just kept having to break it up and listen to say like something from Te Amo like J-Boy or else let's stick on Entertainment from Bankrupt yeah true like I had to I had to have a lot of palate uh, cleansers for this which is never a good sign and I feel that this is going to be a really forgettable release like I can imagine now at the end of the year thinking about like albums that have come out this year and what stood out I'll completely forget that I've probably even reviewed this and mm. it's November like that's only a month away yeah that's how much of a non-impact it's made on me if you had to give it a number, if you can remember the album, <laughs> it's already fading from memory. <laughs> Probably a five. Okay, okay. We love you, Phoenix, but um, not quite doing it for us. I'll save a couple of songs, but let's move on to 10 songs. 
best and worst. It's girl group songs. It's uh, our follow-up to boy band songs, which we did ages ago, I think, at this point. So this was one we always wanted to get to. Time felt right. I'm very hyped for you to do worst because... Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling about this top five? Um, well, actually, Craig, before we do the top five... Um, I don't know if you'll remember, but last week you called me um, a coward. <laughs> yeah. I have a clip of it and I will put it in here. Okay. Not right now, but the listener will hear it. So, there you go. Just there, please continue. Thanks, Adam. Um, wow. So you called me a coward um, last week. Yeah. Brave move, I will say, <laughs> now for you to do that. <laughs> um, not because I was on this week, but just brave in general because you know you're, you're holding notes there and I'm just like have you got a, a long A4 page statement <laughs> that you want to read out <laughs> denouncing me because <laughs> I would not be surprised yeah. <laughs> calling me out two thirds of the way into the show um, so last time I was on I you know had a bit of a bit with Dave which I thought would you know go well didn't um, this time I Craig, I actually thought it was your turn for a bit of retribution, especially okay, for calling me a coward. I've prepared a quiz for you. Oh my God, I love quizzes. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> okay. If you if you tell me there's 10 rounds and that the retribution oh God, no. is that we miss pavement. <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> no. All right. Yeah. Okay, this is great. So now like this, because it's retribution, this isn't going to be fair game. Are you rattled, game. Craig, or something? Pardon? Are you rattled? <laughs> go on. Okay, go on. What's ten the questions. What's the four, 10 questions? Okay. And in fitting with our top five. All right. Okay. So it's a quiz about girl groups. Jesus. Which I would expect that actually you would be able to do because you've been doing your research all week on girl groups with your top five. Although I did settle quite quickly on five favourites, so this might come back to bite me the one week I don't do research (laughs) to the same extent I already do. All right, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Question one Spice Girls' debut album, Spice, is the biggest selling album worldwide by a girl group with a total of 23 million record sales. Who and what album is the second biggest? Second biggest girl group album. Yeah. Um, Crazy Sexy Cool, TLC. Correct. Yes. <laughs> one out of ten. That's all I'm going to guess. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, in season one of the Gilmore Girls. Oh, no, not Gilmore Girls. We literally <laughs> talked on Monday about how I hadn't seen it. I know. <laughs> yeah, that was my exact reaction as well. Oh, uh, okay. That question to me. So. All right, okay, let's go. Rory goes to see an 80s girl band with some of her friends. Who did they go see? Oh, you probably mentioned this as well. Um, 80s. It's not Bananarama. Is that your answer? Yeah. No, it's the bangles. Oh, the bangles. I got the first syllable. <laughs> <laughs> Question three. Which one of these was not a Sugar Babes lineup? A, Keisha, Heidi, Mutya. B, Jade, Amel, Mutya. C, Heidi, Keisha, Amel. Um, B. Am I right? Correct. Oh, great. I got two. Okay. This is getting slightly respectable. Okay. For question four, we've got an audio round. Oh my God. You've got so much work on this. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was so stressed. I love it. Um, Complete the lyric to this clip and give me the final requirement the weather girls are looking for in a man. Okay.
so it was lean and mean yeah what a tune so by the way such a tune tremendous okay. question five hold on I'm just hitting the drink the <laughs> pressure's got me Zahara's come bearing Birum ready which I'm grateful for right now go on we're question, having fun we are having fun question five how many albums did Girls Aloud release oh me yeah um, I would say it's actually surprisingly few. I'm going to say three. It's five. Oh, man. I for two. Yeah, I five. As well. Yeah. Because I just remember them kind of piecing out mad quickly, like, but yeah, okay, five. Yeah, wow. five. Okay, question six. In 1974, Elton John won an Ivor Novello for his song, Daniel. What girl group released a cover of the song in 1991? Of Daniel. 1991. Yeah. It wasn't a big era for girl groups either. It was kind of pre- Do you want a clue? Yeah, I'd love a clue, yeah. One of the members of this band has a famous father. Um. Oh. Oh. Only one of them. Hmm. Oh no, two of them. Oh, it's... um. Weren't they recently on... Oh God, what's the name of them? <laughs> it's going to kill me. <laughs> the... <laughs> Hold on a sec. Give me one second. It's the um, group that do Hold On. And it is... What is it? It's Wilson Phillips. Wilson Phillips. Correct. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe the name yeah. just fell... Yeah, fell on my head there. But yeah, cool. Question seven. Which one of these is not a girl group? A, A Taste of Honey. B, Girls' Generation. C, Daddy's Girls. Or D, The Toys. God, so much awfulness there. I'm going to say, I'm going to guess the awful, really bad ones are probably real. I'm going to say A Taste of Honey because it's like, I think that was just a song that Morrissey liked back in the day or something. Incorrect. It was Daddy's Girls. I'm glad, to be quite honest. (laughs) Okay. What film did Destiny's Child Independent Women Part 1 feature? Oh, wow. That's interesting. Because obviously... On everyone really? that, yeah, on everyone that I've done this quiz on, this is the one that they get immediately. So no pressure. Yeah. I'm like, I'm remem- remembering the video and it's... Oh, Charlie's Angels. Correct. Of course. I mean, it's in lyrics. I'm stupid. Correct. Okay, Grant, at least I got it. Okay, for our second last question, we have another audio round. Who is Donna Air speaking with in this clip from the year 2000? Yeah, and as a lot of people have described you as feisty, scary, fun. Scary. Which yeah, one am I feisty or scary? Which one am I feisty or scary? I don't know. So would you say that was pretty correct? Yes, I'd say he's absolutely bang on there. Someone just hit the nail on the head. That's got to be Liverpool's finest, Tom McKitton. Yes. 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 And now your final question. This one is really specifically as well for you, Craig. If you don't get this, I'd actually be really disappointed okay, in you. no pressure. Baby It's You featured on the Beatles' 1963 debut album, Please Please Me. The song was originally a Billboard Top 10 hit in 1961 for which girl group? Oh my God, there's so many baby songs that I've listened to this week. Baby It's You is... It's not the Marvelettes. Is it the Supremes? No. Who is it? The Shirelles. Shirelles! Oh, Shirelles! But I think he got six out of ten. That's not bad, is it? That's okay. Hanratty got three out of ten. Okay. 
So he was David in on Tapley it. David Tapley got two out of ten. And Adam Shanahan got three. I got three. You got okay, three all right. Ten. Then I did all right. Yeah. Now, yeah, in fairness, no, I have been brilliant. researching this week, but um, yeah. Okay, I'm pleased with that. I was stuck with that quiz very, very hard. <sighs> How do you feel, Zara, after <laughs> showing me up like this? I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I appreciate the effort there. Um, we're we're all square, right? We're cool. We're cool. Yeah, so for now. Like, just don't call me a character. Right, just don't cross you again. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's get into the top five. Let's start with our co-host um, and the worst I guess so to end on a high note although yeah. I think this is all going to be high notes to be honest I'm hyped but um, do you want to do your intro for your number five Sarah <laughs> in your own um, yeah so if I go first then you're finishing yeah I think so yeah. we usually finish with the best don't we yeah yeah because I really cool. wouldn't want my number one to be the all last right. thing people good hear. heads up cool okay so for my number one um I guess this is a fine example of how one person's perfect bliss can be another perfect another person's perfect nightmare. Okay. like another little more friendly quiz can you tell me the name of the band I can't yeah um Belfire oh my god wasn't it yeah yes Ireland's finest yes (laughs) okay so as Adam was saying we to this I'm not sure like should this this should might be in the wrong list (laughs) this is personal I think okay yeah Um, I hated it at the time yeah no I actually really really did I hated this song so yeah Bellfire Perfect Bliss Um, they were a Louis Walsh and John Reynolds proposition so back in so right there it's you know not great I mean the right is on the wall solid start yeah Um, so back in 1999 Louis Walsh and John Reynolds they wanted to form a male female group and I suppose they were probably thinking of the success of like Steps for example they yeah. wanted to emulate that but on Ireland's shores um, but actually during the audition stages they found that the male talent that they auditioned that day was actually just so bad that they were just going to have um an all-female vocal group, which turned out to be Bellfire. Now, initially, there was actually a fifth member, Paula O'Neill, and the band was called Chit Chat. Um, and they did support Boys Own in the point in the year 2000. But then before everything kind of really took off, Paula left. So they're a four-piece now, and they renamed themselves Bellfire. Um terrible name yeah not great. although i did see um a hot press article that said like in the bellfire club which i did kind, kind of, of like was that the, was that what they were going for a little bit was there layers know. to the name yeah i don't know um but basically this song this was their debut single perfect bliss and the reason why i included it as a child in the 90s. <laughs> the deep breath. <laughs> As a child. <sighs> Go on. <laughs> so I was obsessed with Westlife when I was a child. Wow. Westlife were my first concert in The Point. 
And I actually believe that... Three Arena, for legal reasons, we should... Sorry, Three Arena, yes. <laughs> Was it Three Arena, formerly known as the O2? O2, yeah. formerly known as Point yeah. Depot, yeah. Um, all of the above. Um, my first concert was Westlife in the Three Arena. Um, and Bellfire supported them at that show. And I went with my mom and dad. I was only 10 years old. And there was just something about like Bellfire just cropping up on TV all the time, probably on Dave Fanning's music show that he used to have. It was on that. In my research as well, um, there was, I actually felt really bad then for them the more I read about them this week. Um, They didn't really crack it all that much in Ireland. And actually, they were massive in Japan. Um, Yeah. So they decided to channeled the Japanese market instead because that's also especially at that time probably still is now if not even actually the biggest music market in the world they did really really well there um but their album their debut album just kept getting shelved in the UK and Ireland but it was released in in Japan and um they uh what was I going to say there? Sorry, I just got caught up thinking about the Westlife concert. Um, <laughs> My God, strong memories yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they were massive in Japan. They kind of had more of a career here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember where I was going with this. They were signed to Virgin, but they got dropped because I don't know if you remember in like 2000, Virgin Records signed Mariah Carey and it was the biggest record deal that they'd ever signed. And I think they had her on for like four albums. But with the release then of Glitter, it was such a flop and they lost so much money and loads of people then just got fired. One of the people that was fired was the man who initially like signed Bellfire to uh, Virgin. So that meant then that in the UK and Ireland market, their album got shelved again. Um, I think it was actually um, subsequently shelved and it was never released. Then they another member dropped off. Um, so now they're a three-piece. And by 2003, they're sort of coming back around. They had had like a few songs that they had recorded for that debut. One of them actually went to Westlife. Um and then they came out with Spin the Wheel, um, which didn't, again, that album got cancelled. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, they had a really, really tough time with it. And I watched um, an interview that they did around the time of Spin the Wheel on Ireland AM with Mark Cagney and Maura Duran. Yeah. And it was just so grim. Like watching the two of them talking to these like three women in music, um, especially in Ireland, there's a kind of, I feel like a kind of added layer to like the cynicism that goes to that. Really grim interview, very grim to watch. Um, But yeah, I just couldn't not have this because of my personal disdain for this song when I was like, 10 years old okay. I remember just hearing it everywhere I mean like I hate the song so much and I know we were bopping like in the studio listening to it but I hate the vocals on this it's cheesy as hell I hate, the I, production yeah. from that era as well just not great you know but what? yeah like a sad sorry go on very, no I was going to say I'm actually glad that the album got shelved but no I'm, I wish they had I had mean listen career. if it's not <laughs> sorry, good music it just get a find a different career we can't all have our dream careers you know um, <laughs> but it is it is kind of sadly a story that does come up time and time again particularly with girl groups where it's just yeah. like the industry is fucking atrocious to them there's you know people not getting credited for writing stuff there's like 
breakups and just hardship and like for example my number five they ended up initially breaking up over um, an argument over who would wear a certain jacket in a photo shoot um, which is amazing Um, they've since got back together but let's go way back to the start and let's not focus on the jacket let's focus on the cargo pants It's All Saints, it's never ever, not Pure Shores, didn't go for that, no. William Orbit, and we have, yeah, didn't double check, but we've definitely chatted about Probably it quite a, a bit. related one. Something to do with the beach. Yeah. That yeah. might be the shout. It's a tremendous song. This was always my favourite though. Yeah. There's something kind of slinky about it, just like the attitude's cool. I only found out this week, it's based on Amazing Grace, like the melody of that. In the course, and it it kind of is like a lot is made of that, but like it does its own thing. It was um, written by Shazne Lewis in the group. She wrote a lot of their kind of stuff um, before they all fell out initially. But yeah, it was like a situation where initially they'd like been signed. They didn't really have much material. She'd written this. And kind of the next paragraph was talking about how the group recorded um, this song without her knowing about it, like just did a quick demo and gave it to the label. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. They're like believing in her songwriting and making sure they go with it. And like she was just like, I can't believe they did that to me. Like they just took the song and blah, blah. And that kind of like set the tone for like the infighting in the group for the next whatever amount of years. Now they've had some comebacks. We actually reviewed, I think, the last album on the podcast and there was some kind of fine stuff there it wasn't like a take that level comeback but fairly respectable and they were always kind of respectable right yeah. All Saints they were just like kind of the coolest um, this this is an All Saints podcast right that's there's going to be no wanna being on my end this is we're we're firmly in the All Saints camp just putting it out there right now sorry we should say why we're doing this top five there you go. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> Adam is wearing an All Saints top. Great brand, by the way. I wonder, do they get any cash? Probably oh, not. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, yeah, we're doing way, it. Sorry, sorry go on. Put across you um, and listeners. All Saints Pure Shores was picked in February 2021 for one of the, was it top five number ones of this century? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Top five Irish number ones of this century. Okay, that okay. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely banging. This probably didn't go to number one here. I'm not sure, but yeah, I love it. Uh, it's great. And yeah, sorry, sorry, you were going to say the reason we're yeah. doing this is because it's like around about the 25th anniversary of Spice Worlds, which <laughs> means nothing to me, but I was like, I need to find top that five. Meant the world is. To oh, me, did Craig. it? Okay, yeah. talk about Spice World for a minute because no, I've just, you know, I've been disparaging about the Spice Girls. <laughs> I adore All Saints. I mean, I thought the tunes were incredible. As a small boy, obviously fancied all of them probably. <laughs> Melanie Blatt specifically. <laughs> They're great. But the Spice Girls are. Go on. Get the um, force them for a second. <laughs> no, like just one of the greatest bands to ever do it, in my opinion. Um, and in my research this week, because I feel like I went for a very specific era of girl band. And a lot of the times, like with Bellfire, um, 
a lot of the origin stories just harked back to the Spice Girls and just the influence of how everyone wanted to be like them. Um, And I was listening to Spice World again this week just to kind of go back and revisit it because of the 25th anniversary and because of our top five uh, tie-in. And it just still holds up so well. Um, So yeah. Spice Girls great. I had a Spice Girls lunchbox. Oh. Went to the film with my dad, my brother and my sister when I was like five. Um, so yeah, a lot of fun memories. Jerry Spice was my favourite until the Union Jack kind of dress. But <laughs> That was early though, right? And she's yeah. a big Tory as well, isn't she? Massive Tory, yeah. Bang into Thatcher. Not great. Right, the F1 magnate Christian Horner. Wow. Red Bull there you go. Ah, good, good the for them. The um, who's the best spice at this point? Mel C, maybe? She seems cool. Mel C, probably. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll say it's better. All right. Tara, uh, back to you and your number four worst. Okay. So, my number four, I can't remember if I alluded to this earlier, but um, there was one of my picks that definitely made me feel like I could have performed this song much better. Um, probably a bit more harmoniously than actually the recorded version that we're getting. Big words. Yeah. And I can't sing. Um, So yeah, again, this was one that I went in and out of my top five quite a lot this week because it is actually a bit of a bop, but just the vocal performances are horrendously bad. So Adam, hit it. found that was a debut single from British group Honeys um, song was released on August 24th 1998 um, I remember this song very vividly when I was growing up I would have been six at the time and as I was saying I really struggled actually including this because I do love the chorus of this song and about two months ago myself and friend of the show David Tapley um, we went down a big like late 90s early 2000s like listening like literally about two hours just like queuing up songs from this era because and not to humble brag here or anything <laughs> go on but I have a really great talent where I can identify songs within like about five seconds from this era so we were oh. kind of testing each other with songs and I think that this was maybe one that cropped up and I think I, I got an instinct like I love the song um, but the performance of it from that specific time that we were doing that like game we were both just struck by how terrible the vocals sound especially in that first verse oh, the dips there's some warbly it's notes so there so bad like so so bad um, raw though you know no auto tune just it giving it feels like it there suck. is auto tune there there is auto tune back then yeah. yeah, well, do you know what? They were real artists, Adam, and they. <laughs> it's not a crutch, it's an instrument. If you had been in the studio with them, would you have said, listen, 
<laughs> it's <laughs> it's time to hit the big auto tune switch. Um, so Honey's actually had quite an interesting and quite complex actually um, history in the initial time. So they were formed in 1997. Uh, Mercury Records had signed them. They were initially called Essence, and they were a duo of Heavenly Abdi and Selena Cherry, who then went on to become in the Honey's iteration, finished out by Naima Balkati. Um, they changed their name because uh, they never really liked the word, the name Essence. They always kind of felt it was a bit bleh. And one night, Heavenly and Selena were leaving a nightclub called uh, Subterranea. Okay. And a man exclaimed at them, mm, check out those honeys over there. Jesus. And they were like, oh, that's actually a pretty cool band name. Let's call ourselves Honeys, but with a Z at the end. It's like, know. oh, I agree God. with them on Essence. It's just like an aftershave or something. But it's kind of the Blondie origin story, isn't it? Debbie Harry would just peep, like builders to shout like, oh, Blondie. And yeah. she's like, I'll use that name. Yeah. Um, but I like owning it a bit, but it's Honeys with a Z, isn't it? It's not great, no. So they were, initially when they were Essence and starting out in 97, they were uh, hailed as like the R&B alternative to the Spice Girls and they intended to be a bit more of a direct kind of rival to Destiny's Child across the pond in America. Okay. Um, reading about their history was just very confusing because they were almost a bit like the Sugar Babes where there was just like a rotating cast of like members so like um, Heavenly left and rejoined much later on there was a few different reunions that took place like in the mid 2000s and then everything kind of came up again in 2012 or no 2013 with a show an ITV reality TV show called The Big Reunion which basically the premise of that was they would get bands um, from this era and get them back together again to like rehearse like their big kind of hits together and then maybe like perform them on like a kind of X Factor arena like TV studio kind of setting an ITV, yeah. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, so on their season, there was two seasons of it. And on their season, it was Atomic Kitten, Liberty X, Bewitched 5 and 911. And I watched actually a clip of the Honeys episode. Um, so at this point, they were working with Selena Heavenly, who were two original members. Yeah. And then... Mariama came in to replace Nyama. I'm getting very confused. Craig, my brain was fried today. Like, this is as well why I was quite stressed because the Honey's backstory was just so, like... I would say maybe don't be too tied to knowing all of the lineups of the Honey's. Uh, And that goes out to you too, listener. Um, There'll be no quiz for you. So (laughs) just sit back uh, and enjoy. But there was in the Honey's episode of this, it's on YouTube, you can watch the full episode. I only watched the six minute piece that was the reunion between Heavenly and Selena. Um, so basically when Heavenly left, like the when Heavenly and Selena are like gearing up to see each other for the first time in maybe like 20 years or so. Yeah. Um, they're both really, really nervous and anxious. And it's kind of like when two sisters are fighting and they're like, no, they have to confront each other over this like long standing like thing that they're fighting over. Sure. So two of them are really nervous. Heavenly seemingly when she left initially, um, she left and she didn't really tell any of them why she left. 
Um, she didn't call them. She didn't really talk to them at all. So in the press, there was always this kind of back and forth about this. Um, and there's actually a really, I found it quite moving um, moment between Selena and Heavenly where they are talking to each other and just like, um, very honestly, like Selena literally says, I was on a hate have mission where she was just like basically telling everyone that she met in the music industry hate that have. hate have mission, um, that she hated have a lot and whatever. So they got back together to do this thing. Obviously, they'd rehearsed a lot. Um, and then they went on to like do a performance of Finally Found at this like TV studio recording. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like the recording or the performance is there. I wonder if they sounded better with time. Um, maybe they'd had a bit more vocal training, a bit more practicing. I almost cut a clip of how terrible the live performance oh, really? oh, of no. the song. It like actually sounds even worse. It's really, really bad. Um, which is just amazing given the success that they did actually have in their initial reign. Like they duetted with Lionel Richie in Italy. God, it doesn't um, get much bigger than that. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> um, Unless you're duetting with Lionel Richie yeah, in, and they you did. know, Dubai, I yeah, guess. Yeah. <laughs> but they did. Yeah. They did have quite a big career like in the late 90s. Um, I revisited as well today. Um, their album, their debut album, Wonder Number no. 8. Um, which has other songs on it, Never Let You Down and Won't Take It Lying Down. The names of the songs might not mean anything now, but when you go and listen to them, it tr- like literally portals you back to 1998 oh, really? and they are... I like the album title. Wonder Number 8. Yeah, there's something kind of cool about it. It's like some 60s... It is very 60s, yeah. yeah. Like Magic Potion Number there 9 or something go. like that, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, could not include this. Breaks my heart to do it though. <sighs> What a saga. I know. They've been through so much. And um, yeah, just not blessed with the singing talents, sadly. Let's yeah. move on to my number four. Blessed with singing talents, but kind of similar in terms of lots of lineup changes in their very, very brief run. This was towards the end of it in the 1960s. And I adore it. Marvelettes, tremendous name with the track The Hunter Gets Captured by the Game. Tremendous name. Yeah, I love great, that yeah. title. <laughs> I love the concept. It's just lyrically really, really cool. That's from, I think, about 68. Actually, I don't have it in front of me, but it was towards the end of a run. They were bro- broken up by the late 60s. Um, but they were, as you can kind of tell, a Motown act. Um, they're one of the first kind of major Motown acts. They had their kind of big hit. And this wasn't really as big a hit. Um, 61 I think they went to number one with Please Mr. Postman which is yeah such a shame yeah so good so good I was contemplating but I just love something about the darkness of this which is great and um some really great cover versions of this as well. So actually, I came to know about this song through Batman Forever, <laughs> the greatest soundtrack in history we've talked about on this show before. It is. Is it? Hold on, no, no. Forever. Is ba- yeah, for and Batman and Robin is Clooney. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> 
So Tracy Thorne does an incredible version of this with Massive Attack and it's oh, wow. just like wow. kind of sounds like they do like it's like a Porter's Head kind of spy theme vibe to it and it's just absolutely tremendous but this is is great as well they were a group of friends from like school um that just kind of started singing together harmonizing together went on auditions ended up with a very kind of nascent motown um at a time when they weren't really having hits we talked last week about barrett strong having maybe their first kind of breakthrough in about 60 61 and they followed it up really quickly with this. But yeah, just like Please Mr. Postman had, I think Marvin Gaye on drums. Mm. Smokey Robinson was writing for them. And they had some run, but yeah, things just, you know, soured quite quickly. People dropped out. And there's all these, like you go on song, you know, without fail, researching all of these songs and the long list. You'd go on song facts and there'd be stuff like this. The songwriting credits on this track are a bit murky. <laughs> the copyright list... <laughs> George Dobbins, Brian Holland, Freddie Gorman and Robert Bateman. And then you just see actually the music publishing agency's list, just Holland, Bateman and Gorman. So, you know, the actual female that was contributing the song didn't appear to be on it. They were like teenagers when they were signed and they went to number one. They made very little money and they were hugely influential. It's that like same old story. Motown and like stripping song credits. Really dodgy, like really dodgy. Like them as well. It was like, all in the Motown mm. under the roof of Motown like so bad for something that has like such great quality in the catalogue you'd expect that you'd want to, yeah to, to be doing things the right way and just yeah and like the kind of the message and vibe of Motown is nothing but like a force for positivity particularly yeah. at the times and civil rights and just like you're not even treating the people you're working with right like it's just mm. it's not great but um this sounds great. Sounds amazing, Motrons, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. And just a bit of a different kind of perspective lyrically. There's something a bit kind of dangerous to it. It's not the pure saccharine kind of early girl group thing where you yeah. feel like it's the it's the male gaze or it's just words being put in someone's mouth. There's something a bit different and edgy about it. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. I it's like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Kind of you. the hipster's choice in the 60s Yeah, girl it is a very well, hipster's great. choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tracy Torn did a <laughs> cover of it with Massive Attack on the Batman Forever soundtrack. <laughs> Your number trees are. Um, okay, so I guess we have a lot um, to praise and um, critique reality TV for. Yeah. Uh, amongst them, I mean, the, it gave us Girls Aloud. For some people, it gave us One Direction, who some people like. <laughs> um, and then. Very diplomatic. <laughs> for others, it gave us. This group, which is just deplorable. Monica said there when the sun goes down it's party time um, okay you mean business at this point this is like oh I'm in oh. I'm in that of course was the cheeky girls uh, with cheeky holiday um, I think <laughs> of course oh, oh completely, completely committed to the concept can I just it's cheeky say, everything like I could I was, did really enjoy doing this top five but my god 
it was agony cutting the clips for this because just like having to listen to the top three in particular over and over on Oops to be like, oh, is that the right bit to like cut for this? Like to emphasize how terrible this is. I'm so glad now that this song is out of my life for the foreseeable. <laughs> um, Not going to listen back to the episode, though. No? Oh, fuck, I'm going to have to listen back, yeah. <laughs> no, I might give it a miss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hit the 15-second forward button on your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so obviously, Cheeky Girls, um, twin sisters, Gabriella and Monica, they both came into all of our lives through uh, Pop Stars The Rivals, where Pete Waterman... Louis Walsh and uh, Jerry Halliwell were the judges. Of all three, Jerry was kind of the most sympathetic, as you would kind of expect, maybe. Pete Waterman was just like, this is the worst ever act I've ever seen in my life. Louis Walsh was just saying some really not... Um, Hum- he not just, human yeah, yeah, that sounds like Louis Walsh, yeah, fair enough. He Although really... he didn't big up Thatcher. And very yeah. <laughs> probably would have, though. Yeah. Um, he was just particularly horrible to them. Um, their mother actually wrote all of their songs for them. Wow. So um, I also forgot. So again, I was going on a YouTube poll today and I was watching the Cheeky Girls um, auditions for Pop Stars Arrivals. And um, I forgot that they actually auditioned with the Cheeky Girl song. That's great though. I love it's that. It's so good. Yeah. Like it is great crack. Um, so they auditioned with that. Obviously didn't get through past the auditions but they did record um cheeky song uh parentheses touch my bum um and it became like a, a uk top five hit um cheeky holiday is obviously takes influence from um hooray hooray it's a holiday the 1979 single from boney m which i returned today via the internet are <laughs> german yeah yeah i did yeah. not realize that they were german um, they fe- they featured in a top five, I think, as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. What was it? I think it was. It actually might have been. It might have been worst Irish number ones. Didn't Boney M do a song about the troubles? And I had it in they, my worst Belfast. list. Belfast. Yes, Belfast. Yes. That's yeah. where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. also, they featured in. Oh my god! Top five disco with Daddy Cool. Oh, what a oh, tune! Such That's a very tune. fair. It's yeah. very fair. Um, Let's we forget Rasputin. Unbelievable song. Yeah, it is actually. It's very good. Yeah, Rasputin is yeah, is great. Now, good. to be fair, um. The poor cheeky girls, though, they got a really horrible time of it. Um, again, the early 2000s was um, not a great time for particularly women in music. Um, I was looking at a review, a one-star review on The Guardian of their debut album, Party Time from 2003. And uh, Caroline Sullivan, in her review, her, she closes it out by saying, the cheeky girls' obsession with their bottoms smacks of a need for reassurance, so they'll be glad to know in their sle- sleeve photos their bums look tiny. It's just like, that's yeah. so, like... There's a lot of that, yeah. It's just awful. Like, revisiting this era was just very heartbreaking, um, especially for, like, Monica and Gabriella, because, like... For all the abuse that they were at the end of receiving during that time, like they just wanted to sing. Like I think they kind of knew that they weren't great. Um, obviously they probably had a lot of love and respect for their mother for writing, you know, all of their songs. Um, as we all do. As we all do. Um, but they're actually back. 
They had two singles this year. <laughs> Everything comes back. I can't anymore. Cheeky Girls are back as of 2022. Okay. They've had two singles. Cheeky um, Brexit and... No. No? They've gone for a new kind of tact. One was called Let's Have Fun and the other was called I'm In Touch With Heaven. Both heavily auto-tuned and they actually, uh, for a promotion of the singles, they were being interviewed by Holly and Phil on This Morning. Okay. And they were on their way to the studio and they went to the wrong studio. So they went to the old Granada studio, I guess, yeah. is probably this morning. They went to the old studio and had to like rush across London in the morning traffic to like try and make the interview then on TV. They did make it. Okay. But um, was that there was... updates? Was this kind of possibly a bit like, you know, feeds into the... Oh, I didn't watch the interview, Greg. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> That's Fair my enough. number three. I was thinking of the cheeky girls this week because I <laughs> and every week <laughs> I sadly caught like a few seconds of Matt Hancock being like dropped into the fucking jungle for I'm a Celeb, mm. and I was like, this is like this is like as bad as that time. Your man, what was his name? Lem- and I googled it. Lembit Opec yeah. was just all over the tabloids. And Ugh. did he marry one of the cheeky girls? They were engaged. They were engaged, but it was called off after like three years. Uh, she could do better. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get to my number three. <laughs> <laughs> my number three featured in your quiz, um, but it's not why I knew the answer. It's TLC, of course. It's Creep. It's from Crazy Sexy Cool, the second biggest selling girl group album of all time, um, which I wasn't aware of at all. Maybe I like picked it up somehow yeah, from my research. Okay. I don't know. Uh, good guess. But yeah, what a tune. Um, a lot of TLC songs you could kind of pick from. I remember Waterfalls being huge mm. back when I was in primary school. Yeah. I remember sitting at my desk next to... Fiona Kerwin, who I sat beside at the time, and we were both singing Waterfalls because it was a big song at the time. I was Aww. like five years old, six years old. Um, but I didn't go for sentimentality, Zara. I went for went the head. current banger. <laughs> I think Creep is their best song, right? There's just something about it. The production's incredible. Mm. That low register, there's something kind of sinister about it. The group, even themselves, were like unsure of... The message they were kind of putting out, it was it was written by Dallas Austin, who did a lot of their stuff, um, did a lot of kind of boys to men stuff as well. He had a really interesting kind of backstory, but he just had a really, a knack for like hooks for sure, but also just a really fresh approach to kind of lyrics. And you've got this girl group song that's about you're kind of guy cheating on you. So you're like, I'm going to cheat on him. And it becomes extremely toxic. And Mm. to the point where uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopez was like, don't release this as a single. I'm completely opposed to this message. Um, And quite rightly being like, people shouldn't go out for revenge when they're in an unhealthy relationship. They should leave the relationship. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's very fair. But like in this kind of creative imaginary world, it has a huge impact. It works really well. Um, she wrote like a rap that was basically like 
don't creep if you don't want to. And they like took it out, which is like, uh, it was, yeah, just one of the arguments she'd had with the group. Um, there was a point where just before they kind of properly separated and sadly a, a bit before her passing, she was kind of saying, um, I don't believe in TLC as a group. Um, I think I could do better material on myself. I actually challenged the others to make their own solo albums and we'll release them all together and see how they fare. And the other two members oh were, uh, you know, basically like, we're not going to do that, but we still love her and we're kind of sisters and it's fine. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting one. But yeah, TLC, obviously massive, hugely mm. influential arrived at the right moment, I think, where they were riding that new Jack Swing era um, to a large extent. But the production, like there was hip hop samples in there. It still sounds really, really like it could come out tomorrow mm. and it would be massive. Um, and yeah, an absolute jam. I had to go in there. Tree is probably a bit low. Uh, the more I hear it back. I was walking to Bob on Monday in the lashings of rain playing my <laughs> short list and this came on and I was like, yeah, now this is living. Strong mode activated. Yeah, no, so good. I actually um, talking about being in primary school, like listening to TLC and hearing the songs. I always remember coming home from primary school one day. I was in the car with my mom and we were like, five minutes away from the house and just hearing the news about um, Lisa Left Eye Lopez dying. Oh, yeah. So, so sad. And just to think of what could have come had she not have died and the potential for solo careers and even like TLC just like continuing on. So, so sad. Um, Great song, great pick. No Scrubs, obviously as well. Yeah. Close tie for the rest one as well. I would it imagine it has to yeah. have been, yeah. Um, yeah, no, great show, Craig. Um, my number two. You're runner up. Here we go. Oh, God. This is another sign that I'm really excited to get out of my life. Um, <laughs> um, when I was preparing for this week as well, this was the, this song actually I think was the one, apart from my number one, it was the one that I was just like, this is not going anywhere. Like, this is staying. I have no doubts about this. So, um, yeah, Adam, just get it over with, play it. <laughs> mana, mana. No way, no way. Mana, mana. No way, no way. Mana, mana. Not today. <laughs> oh, don't tell me. I could have any girl here, but it's your lucky night. No way! You said that to me last yeah. week. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine now, Craig, it all makes sense why you're so does. frazzled yeah. this week. Yeah, fair. Um, that was Vanilla. <laughs> no, that was the name of the band. Um, not <laughs> how that good. sounded. Um, no way, no way. Um, this is a really interesting story. I mean, Vanilla had a very brief career, 1996 to 98. They were signed to EMI. I'm surprised it wasn't 96 to 96 <laughs> on the evidence of that. <laughs> yeah, the single actually, this song came out in December 1997 and there was a long standing and it probably, I'd say within the, the industry still kind of exists of like murmurings. But there was um, 
talks of this song being um, the product of a bet. Um, so for decades, a lot of people thought that there's this debut single, this is their debut single, No Way, No Way, No Way, was an attempt by the record label executives to create the worst song possible and see if it could get to number one. That was what was posited. And like when you listen to it and when you listen to it from start to finish, like I have a lot this week, you can see like a bit of gravitas to that theory because it's incredible, yeah. It's so bad. Um yeah. vocally, um arrangement wise, a lot of the time they're actually quite out of step with each other. There's like extra bits put in the song that just don't really need to be there, like that outro there, where it's kind of like they're ribbing on like Spice Girls esque, very Jerry Halliwell kind of input to like a slight skit within the song. Um so basically, um, that song also y- you might recognise is based on Piero Umeliani's um, song Menomina. Um And he basically, this song was written because their manager explained to them that he had bought the rights to that piece of music and that the producers would write a song over it. So that song also, Menomina, is was closely associated with the Muppets. Yeah. I do actually love that original because it's... Yeah. It also, you know, <laughs> as a jokey kind of thing. But you, know. you would, because you work in advertising, and then there was like BNBN. Yeah. The biscuit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally works. So, yeah, it's that's what I you know. No, it's, it's so great and it's so annoying. It would make me not want to have a BNBN, which is why they don't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> Purely that song. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so this, the kind of folklore with the song continued. Um, in 1997, No Way, No Way was named the 26th worst song ever by Channel 4. Um Still, though, would feature on like now that's what I call music compilations and all of that. Um, in a Guardian interview, I think from around like 2014, um, Al- Alida Swart, who was a member of the band, she mentioned how like initially that they wanted to be more of an R&B group. Um, she said as well, girl power was at its peak. We They reasoned that Wannabe had itself been gimmicky. So No Way No Way was like a product of them kind of rebelling against that. Um, but she's like, yeah, people still tell me today that they remember the song fondly. Um, it's been nominated as the worst song of the 90s quite a few times, but at least it's remembered. And my favourite part, an only really redeemable part of uh, being stuck with this song all week was the YouTube comments underneath the music video. Okay. If you haven't seen the music video for this song... Oh my God, you simply must. Um, So I have three comments that really stood out to me. Uh, One, this was so groundbreaking. Probably one of the best songs of the 20th century I wanted played at my funeral. Um, (laughs) There is a user, Taylor Swift Ate My Hamster, who says, a musical masterpiece, easily as brilliant as anything Led Zeppelin or the Eagles ever produced. I would, <laughs> the Eagles, I, know, I love that. I know. And then finally, we have someone called Archibald Meatpants. Um, might be Dave's pseudonym. Because Dave doesn't have a pseudonym. What are you talking about? No, yeah, sorry. He would never. <laughs> he would never. But they said, if I ever become a WWE wrestler, this will be my walk in music. 
I could go for that. Disarm people, freak them out. What? Yeah. You yeah. walk into the ring to this music. I, I never said I would. <laughs> what would be your walking music, Jab? Mine? Yeah. Oh, I'd have to think about that. Yeah, that might be a whole top five. And it's, oh, have we done something similar to that? We have. Oh, yes. No, we did best wrestler walk-ins, but we didn't do our own personal. We did Richard Chambers. Yeah, Richard Chambers yeah, and Dave did it. Yeah, but it was the best. Yeah, what would yours be, Craig? God almighty. I kind of like the idea of something like this where it's it freaks people out. Yeah, maybe some surge. That is too good. Go on, Zara, what would you go for? Oh, positively fourth street. You've got a lot of nerve. Tremendous. That's really great. Okay. Do you know what? Yeah, go on. That's all I have to say. I'm just, I'm glad now. I'm another one of that these was, songs out of my life. Okay, one to go. And, um, all right, here is my walk-in music. <laughs> it's, it's actually probably the best song of the 20th century. It's my number two. Um, Be My Baby just do we even need to talk about it probably not we should though because it's just one of the best pop songs of all time um textbook example textbook I've gone very football <laughs> Bill Spector's wall of sound production um, but putting all that aside I mean the real thing that always grips me every single time I go back to it it never gets old because of Ronnie Spector's vocals mm. it's just so relatable the cut through, it's just, it, it, there's no affectations. It doesn't feel dated. It feels sincere. It feels vulnerable, but also it's not doing that kind of early girl group thing of just like, I'm beholden to this man. I mean, lyrically, it is kind of pleading with someone, mm. but there's so much character there and kind of a sense of strength. And above all, it's just like a sense of pure joy, like this pure kind of loving energy that comes through it. It's, yeah hugely influential that opening drum break uh, Pal Blaine Pal I think. Blaine yeah um, it's been recycled so many times at this point like the Jesus and Mary chain like built their career in it yeah. <laughs> just recontextualised it it was great um, and yeah like all star musicians playing on this the likes of Hal Blaine but just a, a kind of a who's who and again, I will go back to, which we've talked about before in the show, but I love it so much. On the Wikipedia page for this song, there's an entire section <laughs> headlined with effect on Brian Wilson. <laughs> it's yeah, really it's incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, the Beach Boy in Chief just was um, so enamored with the song. A spiritual touch touchstone is what he called it uh, it had a pro profound pro lifelong impact on the founding member of the Beach Boys and yeah he would just essentially play it all day all night there was tapes found in his gaff where he would just be like wasn't him demoing songs it was him talking about Be My Baby mm. just endless notes of like how did they get that sound and he actually got to know Phil sent him some songs wanted to work with him don't think they did anything. I think Phil Spector actually did admire um, his technique and his ability and stuff, but it was, yeah, obsessive. Um, this is probably the start of like studio 
pop music 100%. to a large degree, yeah. right? I'm sure the Beatles were hugely influ- influenced by it, but you see kind of people talking about when the Ronettes themselves would pl- play this live and kind of turn around and tremendous kind of vocalists, um, but just something was totally lost. And that's where you start getting that disconnect. Suddenly, like the 45 is like its own artifact and its mm. own kind of art form. Mm. It changed everything, really. Yeah, it's one of the most incredible songs of all time. Um, I had this song in my first ever top five that I did, which was songs by siblings. You did, yeah. Because Ronnie yeah. and Estelle. Estelle, the older They're, sister, yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah, so when I was a teenager, like the Ronettes were just everything to me. Like I loved them so much, them and the Shangri-Las, but particularly I just loved Ronnie Spector's voice. Um. And what you're saying with the Brian Wilson thing, he saw Don't Worry Baby, um, the Beach Boy songs. It's like a kind of spiritual, like, sequel kind of, yeah, response to it. Um, I don't know, Craig, if I've ever talked to you about it, but her memoir, uh, which is called Be My Baby, and then it's called, it's like a subhead of, like, mini skirts, mascara, and... I can't remember the third one is music probably okay. um, it's literally the most amazing book I've ever read in my life so it was written in the 80s the level of Scandooch in it is I ridiculous um, basically she kind of details like a little um, tryst between her and John Lennon they had really? like a little bit of a romance yeah um, he was in love with her but she was with Phil Spector at the time obviously so he wasn't happy about it um, such a fascinating group such a fascinating history if no one has ever delved into it do so and also like listen beyond like Be My Baby such an amazing amazing band they've great stuff and again another example of like they went through the ringer and they broke up kind of too soon she launched her own kind of solo career Um, the other two members quite rightly were just like the pressure on us was intense to the extreme we were kind of not the main, main stars obviously we didn't even feature like they their voices don't feature on this it's, it's share. the crystal the share and they also I think had like the crystals I think uh, yeah as backing record. vocals yeah, that's yeah. kind of the voices there so it's um, and Phil Spector I mean we could do a whole podcast on Phil Spector what an One day, <laughs> bizarre awful human being yeah. he is oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah Continuing the theme of worst, um, oh God. you're number oh, one. Very Let's nice, do it. Craig. Here very go. nice. Um, my number one is, I've been talking a lot about songs I can't wait to get out of my week. Um, <laughs> I think this is actually really the pinnacle. This is probably one of the most annoying songs ever committed to tape. And yeah, I'm glad to be rid of it now in the next t- five minutes. You've excelled yourself. Incredible. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I tell you who didn't excel themselves, Daphne and Celeste, um, with their second single, UGLY. Um, yeah, one of the most annoying, irritating songs, as we were saying there, just as that clip was ending, the banjo. Oh my God. Um, 
There's friends of the show, we speeches. should point out. Huh? Friends of the show. From what? way back when, yeah. Why? We used to talk about that. They had a comeback. They did. I'm sure you've got, yeah, this Max, covered. Max I, early days of no encore. I feel like Dave and Colm were obsessed with Daphne and Celeste. Did one of them meet them? Did Dave interview them? And Maybe Colm them did. here today. <laughs> I think, I, f- I remember a campaign, much like our current campaign, to have an audience with Bono. And mm. please, guys, if you can help us out, please do. I think there was an early campaign to get Daphne and Celeste on the pod. I have to look back into that. But yeah, for sure. But now look at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, it's just like, what to say? Like, this is just one of the most annoying songs. But I think like in my week of actually reading about them and reading interviews with them, and especially reading interviews with them around the time of the resurgence, which was about like in 2011, Max Tundra wanted reached out to them via like Twitter I think and was just like would love to like produce a song for you and he did and I think they did an album together they're still actually going in their current reunion iteration apparently Um, I mean Craig you would obviously know more than I would on this they didn't come on the podcast though so you know yes Yes. Um, (laughs) fat chance of that (laughs) (laughs) sorry yeah Um, but yeah like it was just like really interesting to like read interviews with them from all sorts of sites like Drowned and Sound The Quietest um, The Guardian where they were very like self aware of like how annoying they were and they were also very self like owned up to the fact that they were like, yeah, we were a manufactured band. Like the song UGLY was written well before they even auditioned for like being Daphne and Celeste. Um, They had no media training at all and they really just didn't really seem like they wanted it. I think they got a lot of fun out of just being like, Little shits, like, which <laughs> I kind of respect. Yeah, like, for sure. um, they would slag people off quite a lot. I think they had a feud with Christine Aguilera. They once said, like, in an interview that Jay from Five can't sing. Fair. Um, but it was actually, I didn't realize this, but around the time that they released this, and you have to actually bear in mind as well that they were only 16 when they did put this song out back in June of 2000. Um, this song was massive. Um, they had a, an album that followed kind of soon afterwards. But they uh, performed at Reading and Leeds Festival in the year 2000. And the crowd hated them so much because as well at the time with this song as well, as you heard there, the lyrics are absolutely atrocious. They're so mean and they're so fucked up. Like you definitely could not say those things now in a song and you should not say those thing, things in a song ever. Well, people, I'd say Paul Weller loves this song. Oh, Paul Weller <laughs> definitely loves this song, yes. But when they played at Reggie and Leeds, um, Dave will be surprised maybe to hear that they were on just before Slipknot. Um, they, <laughs> <laughs> they got thrown. They got like an absolute onslaught of attacks from the crowd. It was like Woodstock 99 and actually Pavement when Pavement got like the mud pies thrown at oh, them yeah, at Lollapalooza, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, well, Daphne and Celeste got thrown bottles of piss um, at them on stage. Well, that's not on. Not not on at all, no. Um, they continued to perform on stage. They, I think, did until after their second song, actually, in a three-set song. Very odd that they only had three songs in their set. Um... But yeah, no, they're quite 
endearing now in a weird way but I'm I hated having to go back to the song so much it's just the also the pitched up vocal like saying like yeah, chipmunks is just so it's awful not, yeah yeah so I'm done. I'm grand. Whoa, congratulations. I'm free. I'm free Great now. number one. Great top five. Thank Some you. absolute horrors there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's end on a high. Um, if you look at the Wikipedia page of this song, there's a section entitled Effect on Craig Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Yeah, my number one with a bullet. Oh. Girls Aloud, The Promise from 2008. So good. Yeah, as my notes start, um, taken from their fifth and final <laughs> studio album, Out of Control. God damn it, I guess third. Um, kind of proof, so TLC was probably maybe something. Anyway, influenced by Phil Spector um, and the music of the 1960s. And I guess around about that time, riding maybe the wave of like early Amy Winehouse and Absolutely. Duffy and all that kind yeah. of stuff. There was Cinemania who did most of their kind of huge hits and I guess Girls Aloud were more known for slightly more left field boundary pushing pop and did it exceedingly well we constantly eulogise and praise Girls Aloud quite rightly on this show this was like to me their coronation it, like it was close enough towards the end where it was just like it's their big pop moment and they all have kind of like a turn and show off their kind of vocal styles and characteristics really well there's like it's not just verse chorus verse chorus there's different sections coming in it's all brilliant I mean Sarah, the late great Sarah Harding's um, moment on this is so just good. so great so good and yeah it's by far my favourite Girls Aloud song and I love so so many Girls Aloud songs it had to be my number one yeah. over Be My Baby personally to me for top five yeah <laughs> Dave's favourite Girls Aloud song, I it's think my favorite so. One. I think Is this it? would be in my top five all-time favourite songs. It's so it's infectious. So like good. the minute, like those horns, it's... those stabs at the start, you're just like... The music video. Key change, just yeah. as we heard right towards the end. It does. It's like, it follow, that's the thing. It follows all the rules, but it does it so well that you just... Breaks them all too. Breaks them all. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Girls but, like, the music so video as well for this and especially with Sarah's part where like she just comes out behind like the cars and yeah. goes out in front of like the cinema yeah. screen it's just like they all look so surprised that she's done it even though they know what's coming yeah. um, and it was just such a special magical moment like I was actually listening to it again this morning just like oh Craig better bring this oh yeah it was never it's in doubt it's so good <laughs> it's literally one of the best songs of all time was it straight in? Oh, straight in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah without oh, I question. think if I was doing best, this would have been my number one. Well, I'm glad that I appeased you, Sarah. <laughs> and Adam, clearly. I hope Malcolmus and the boys walk out of this in a little bit. Oh, <laughs> We've got a kick God. to go to. This has been tremendous. Been I really great. enjoyed this top five. How do you feel now post worst part of the list? Relieved, I guess, is the overwhelming sense for um, me. Yeah. I mean, the second beer that I'm on now has definitely helped. <laughs> um, 
definitely very glad to have a lot of those songs out of my life for the foreseeable future anyway. Um, had a lot of fun. Um, I will never take for granted again the, the stress of doing the worst because I feel that like there's a lot of comic relief that comes with it. I don't know if I brought the comic relief to it. You I think I actually sure. just brought In a lot spades. of torment. But, but you know what? There's great humour in that. <laughs> <laughs> for everybody. Yeah. For everybody, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, loved this. Very much enjoyed it. And I'm Thank glad you to for be joining back. us. Oh yeah, great to have yeah. you as always. Check out Zara at Zara underscore Hederman. Thanks, so, I yeah. believe writing for every you know publication worth a damn. Music editor for Totally Dublin on Arena. She's the best. We love Thank her. You. Also the best, of course, taking care of production, input, vibes in general. Yeah. It's our one and only. Sonic Architect Adam Legend. Shanahan we love you you're the best thank you so much it's great to be here every week I would like to yeah thank you very much I would like to thank uh, Cliff was it Cliff or Clint Cliff Booth, Cliff, Cliff Booth. Cliff Booth. Thank oh you of for course Cliff Booth yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah listener if you want to get involved just like that just absolute randomer please do find us on our <laughs> socials it's um, patreon.com forward slash no encore Dave will be back we haven't talked about him in a while um, he'll be back next week without fail uh, my name is Craig Fitzpatrick this has been No Encore I'm hoping Pavement do an Encore see you next week A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps to detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.